the conversation and now consumer talk with wendy nola it is 12 minutes past one and it's a warm welcome back to consumer journalist wendy nola with us in studio and then it'll be an open line where you can call in with any consumer query you can call us on 021-446-567 so that's sorry 021-446-0567 sms's to 31567 or leave a voice note on 072-567-1567 welcome back wendy thanks bianca so we're talking, as you said, uh, warranties yeah. and the end of the show, I think, as it's just been launched now, um, about an hour ago, the Banking Ombuds Annual Report. So this is the issue. There are many facets to warranties, but, but the issue I'm going, to, I'm going to focus on today is what impact does a cosmetic problem with a product have on your right to claim on a warranty or not? Okay, so... This is the best way that I can think of to get a, the message across. Imagine you take your car in for a me- mechanical repair under warranty and you're told that the warranty is, sorry, void because there's a scratch on the bumper or a stain on one of the seats. <laughs> or that despite the fact that the sole of your brand new pair of sandals has started pulling away from the upper just a few weeks after purchase, you have no recourse under the warranty because you punched an extra hole in the ankle strap. That would be ridiculous and totally unfair, of course. And it's also illegal. This is how Consumer Goods and Services Ombud Mahat and Batlele puts it. Suppliers relying on stains, scratches and the like implies that the CPA intended for a warranty to apply only if the goods were not used. This would be ridiculous and defeat the purpose of the CPA. If the item has been used according to manufacturer instructions and has not been tampered with, then the warranty stands. Makes Normal sense. wear and tear. Exactly. We have to be allowed to use our stuff. It doesn't mean it negates a warranty, right? Normal wear and tear is not um, altering the definition of Section 56. Um so Section 56, as we talk about ad nauseum on this show, says that, this is on the CPA, of course, says that if you buy something and it becomes defective in some way within six months, you have the right to your choice of a refund, replacement or repair, provided you haven't caused the problem yourself, of course, through some accident or some kind of modification or using it contrary to the manufacturer's instructions. So the supplier can only refuse to honor that six-month warranty if there is some breach on your part that is related to the defect. So if the defect is unrelated to any alterations or any scratches or whatever, um, it, uh, it is, you, your warranty still stands. And we've discussed on the show a few times that if you remove the two-prong plug on your hairdryer, for example, and you replace it with a more practical three-prong one, and the hairdryer then stops working, the warranty stands unless, you, of course, your dodgy wiring caused the problem. I mentioned this because a lot of people are denied warranties because of these cosmetic issues. And mm. if you don't understand your right, you then lose out. So normal wear and tear is, is, is allowed. Of course, yeah. Mm. And scratches are um, really n- nothing to do with – they shouldn't have anything to do with your right to claim uh, on your warranty for a defect. So recently what prompted us to discuss this today was – uh, we received an email from Sharon Sutcliffe about a problem her employee Winnie Mpangele had been having with a stove that she bought from Home Choice. The company calls itself South Africa's number one home shopping retailer. I then shared it to Winnie on the phone, and in short, she bought a Defire stove over the phone from from Home Choice. It was delivered um, without notification, so she didn't know when it was going to be delivered. 
Um, her son was at home. He signed acceptance of the stove. But she said when she got home, she discovered that it came with no papers whatsoever, no sales documentation, no manual, no box. It was just wrapped in plastic. The stove section is absolutely fine, but the oven is defective in that the door does not make contact on the one side at all. So when she tried to bake, the oven just, as you can imagine, wouldn't oh. reach the required temperature. Um, so she was, it's been a long story, but she has tried everything or had tried everything to get this problem resolved. A technician had been sent, a defined technician had been sent, but the problem hadn't been sorted out. Um, she then went to the extraordinary length of, of delivering the stove to Home Choice and saying, I don't want it anymore. And they said, no, we can't accept it. Went back with it. And the part that got my attention, and as I said, what prompted this uh, show topic is that she was allegedly told that because the, appliance, the appliance had scratches on it, she had no recourse. Okay, so this is an oven. This, whether she put the scratches or there or there or not is completely beside the point because clearly a scratch or two has nothing to do with an oven door being so badly aligned that it's actually not making a seal on the one side and making the oven useless. Also, I, I discovered when I chatted to Winnie, it's very bizarre. This whole case is bizarre. She hadn't been invoiced for the stove. It was explained to her over the phone that she'd only start paying for it in April. So this buy now, pay later thing is quite common in, in the industry. All she remembers from the phone call is that the stove cost 5000 something and her installment would be around 600 rand a month. But as I said, she never received an invoice. She didn't know exactly what to pay. Um, and bottom line, she told me that what she really wants now is for Home Choice to fetch the stove to cancel the whole thing, that she doesn't want to pay for anything. So I asked Home Choice what went wrong with this mysterious purchase and to please clarify um, what their position is on scratches and whether it is their policy to um, say you have no warranty because um, despite you complaining fairly early, uh, soon after purchase, because your appliance um, or whatever it is has got some kind of cosmetic damage from usage. And what did they respond they referred my query to an outsourced PR company, which sent me this response. Ms. Mpangele is a valued Home Choice customer with a long-standing relationship with the company since 2013. Home Choice has immediately arranged for the collection of the stove and are liaising directly with the customer to make the necessary arrangements for a replacement. Remember, I said um, when he wanted, um, she didn't want a replacement. She just wanted the whole thing to be cancelled and yeah. go away. Uh, the statement added, Home Choice are also giving the customer a gift for the inconvenience. Home Choice continuously strives to provide the best level of service to all its customers. So I pointed out, obviously, that my key question around the scratches and how they pertain to the warranty had not been answered. And then I got this from that PR company. We take compliance with regulatory requirements seriously. The Zimpangeli's case highlighted to us that our escalation processes on the ground may not Always be as strong as we aspire to, and we are eager to learn from this example and improve. We trust that you'll be very happy with the way Home Choice has resolved the issue, and we hope to continue to serve her for many years to come. End of statement. What does that mean? I mean, is there an answer in the, is there an answer somewhere <laughs> well, in that statement? Exactly. I mean, this is, this is, you know, PR gone crazy. Um, I asked a specific question. I'm deducing from the fact that they're saying that the escalation, escalation process on the ground may not always be as strong as we aspire and that they're going to learn from this example. I take it. I hope that that means that their policy isn't to say, well, this has got a scratch on it and you don't have any rights to a warranty. Let's hope that that's what it is. They didn't specifically say either way, but I think we can deduce that that was the case. So let's hope that other people won't be told the same thing. 
Um, but, of course, the other thing was that when he did say that she didn't want a replacement stove, she just wants the faulty one collected. I called her this morning. She says that the, her stove has already been collected, so ah. that's that's one thing, and that she had been offered a gift. She didn't know what it was, but she confirmed that she didn't agree to a replacement stove, um, that she's sticking by her guns and she just wants the whole thing cancelled um, because, and this is interesting for corporates, through this whole process, she says, I don't trust them anymore. And bear in mind, this was a customer of six years mm. standing. Mm. So there are many lessons in there for corporates in this one Example, I think, um, what they think is the, the appropriate solution might not be right for the client. She feels that um, she's had enough of, of, of dealing with them and um, she just doesn't want any more stove. She doesn't, she doesn't want, want a repeat deal. experience. She wants the deal yeah. to go away. So let's hope that that will be honored. If they deliver a new stove and start charging for it, I will, there will clearly be a follow-up. But um, I like to think that that will now be the end. Of that. I would imagine this is not an unusual case. There are many similar cases. They are, and that's the unfortunate thing because, as we said in the beginning, Bianca, I mean, don't you think it's completely absurd? I mean, being told, sorry, you've got a scratch. Um, yeah. Go away. You yeah. don't have a your the, the workings of your phone or your are, are that you know your phone is not working. Yeah. It's defective. But hey, sorry, you scratched your phone. It's preposterous. Mm. So a few months ago, I dealt with a case of a Cape Town woman who bought her fiance a fossil watch on Christmas Eve at this their store in Canal Walk. Um, it proved not to do a very good job of, of, of keeping time, its main function. The fiancé was repeatedly having to reset it. So she returned the watch to the store just after New Year. Bear in mind, you have a six-month uh, period in which to return yeah. something for your choice of a refund, replacement, or repair. Um, and she was told, no, we don't take back uh, watches because if they've got scratches, they... Disputed being responsible for the fine scratches, but even if they were, as we, as I keep saying, that's irrelevant. Um, they were then offered a replacement. She said, no, we actually want a refund. Um, and that's when I took up the case. She came to me. Um, I spoke to the group's district manager here in Cape Town, and he told me that, that he would contact the customer and give her a refund, which is great. But again, I went back to say, I remain interested in the broader issue. Is it company policy to deny a customer a CPA warranty warranty refund if a defective watch has a few scratches on it? He said he'd forward my email to his head office for a response, which I have never received. Really? So bear in mind, after six months, the normal warranty kicks in and they can impose whatever uh, terms and conditions that they want to because the, the law only re- requires um, – a warranty, the CPA warranty is only in place for six months. So, so if you, you have lodged a complaint with, you know, is it not documented? And Oh, yes, certainly. But if she'd say this had happened to the stove, to the whatever, after that yes, six months, yes, unfortunately, uh, and it's very important to say that the, the those manufacturers have the right to come up with whatever terms and conditions they seem appropriate. So they can say, Oh, there's a scratch, or oh, you don't have original packaging, so we're not honouring our warranty. But you can't—they can't do any of that within the first six months. If you don't have the box, that's irrelevant. If you've, if it's defective, if there's a scratch on your watch or your cell phone or whatever, it's irrelevant within the first six months. So, bottom line is, let's—you better hope that um, if if these suppliers have these quite unfriendly warranty terms, um, like you know, if the, the scratch um, war- voids your warranty. Better hope that it goes wrong within the first six months if you have a scratch or some other thing because some will use it um, 
to say sorry, no worries. Too late. Even though yeah. it doesn't really make sense or, and is clearly quite unfair. Yeah. And you say you never got a response from the head no, office. No, so I to What's this day don't know. Well, when the, when the next, well, I could keep pushing, I suppose. Mm. Uh, so so many cases, so little time. But yes. um, if I get another case. Um, it will clear, it'll be clear that they, that is their policy and we'll have to take it up from then. As I said, from month seven, they can do it. The first six months, no, you can't say because of this cosmetic problem. Because as the, um, Ombud said, that would completely negate the purpose of the CPA. It would say, you can't use the product. If you've used the product and mm. there's some evidence of, of use, it's, uh, then you don't, the CPA warranty doesn't stand, which, which is, is it's not fair. It's not fair at all. Okay. Are there any other industries that are doing the same thing? Um, yes. Another industry, industry which routinely does it is the bed industry. So as, a, as I say, they can do what they like in terms of their warranty terms and conditions from month seven of a mattress's life, but not in the first six months. So if a mattress sags or collapses in those first six months and it's not unheard of, especially with the cheaper um, ones, the retailer and supplier may not refuse to take responsibility, and that is, they if the person wants, if the consumer wants a refund or a replacement, they cannot say, "I'm sorry, there's a stain in your mattress." Their argument is that that um, would indicate abuse. Well, I'm sorry, as anybody who's had a family <laughs> will know, sometimes these things happen. It doesn't mean that it, it, it it's got anything to do with the fact that the mattress had some kind of defect and it mm. started to sag after you know in the first six months. But a standard clause in the mattress warranty, as if the CPA doesn't exist, is we reserve the right to refuse services upon inspection if the product is dirty, stained, burnt, infested with insects, or in an unsanitary condition. We're talking mattresses here. But, again, don't accept that in the first six months. It's not legal. Okay, we've got a call coming through. It is uh, Simon in Cape Town who has a question for Wendy. What's your question, Simon? Hi, good afternoon, Bianca and, and Wendy. Thanks so much for taking the call. Hi there, Simon. Um, hi, Wendy. So we bought a, a motor car, a, a Nissan, um, in, tw- in 2016. Yeah. And it, it, it started showing some defects two years later. So I know it's way after that six-month period. Yes. But we've been having such trouble getting it uh, repaired. So the, the problem is that uh, as you're driving along, it, it's one of these sort of things with lots of automated functions. And a sort of alarm signal starts flashing on the dashboard and pinging and beeping, saying, you know, stop, start, error, and key system fault, and all these kind of things flashing on the dashboard, yeah. um, which is quite distracting, obviously. So, yes, alarming, uh, it's, uh, I would imagine, as well. Yes, yeah, a, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So we, we've, uh, over the course of 11 months now, sure. and two different um, Nissan dealerships, we've taken it in. It, it's been repaired so many times, and the problem keeps on coming back. We've been told so many different stories about what's wrong by different engineers and different um, technicians and stuff, and they're just not being able to fix it. Um, is, and yeah. the, the last thing was that they said the battery was faulty, so we, which was surprising because there's no other sort of problems related to the battery. So we took it to one of these sort of tire battery shocks, exhausts kind of un, um, independent um, um, shops, yes. and they tested the battery and said, no, that's nonsense, there's no problem with the battery at all. But we kind of felt that, that we were being sort of pushed into a corner, that if we didn't buy a new battery, then they wouldn't take things further. So we bought a new battery, oh, no. and the problem was still coming. Okay. This is such an, uh, a problem for consumers, Simon, after the first six months, because, as I say, that, that warranty is a sort of 
um, voluntary, but obviously uh, car manufacturers introduce them and ever longer ones in some cases uh, in order to entice consumers to trust and therefore buy their, their products. And so the warranty, as they will have pointed out to you many times, I think, because I'm sure at one point you said, well, I think you need to replace this car. They will yeah. say we're not obliged to do that. Our warranty um, compels us to continue to repair and as long as they're, they're not refusing to deal with the problem, whether they're fixing it or not, that's how it goes. And, of course, the consumer's fear, as I'm sure yours is, is that um, when you're, if you've got a three- or a five-year warranty, Simon? I think it's a five-year. Yeah, so by 2021, your fear yeah. will be that this is still going to be going on and that um, it's all going to be for your account, and that would be a natural fear. But I, yes. I don't really have any good news for you. If you took this to the Umber, they would say, you know, the manufacturer has the right to repair. The two things I would say to you is, number one, you must always be given a, um, a, a insist on a courtesy car when they uh, their problem deprives you of use of your car. Is that happening at least? Yes, it is. Okay, so that's one tick. And the other thing, just quickly before we have to cross to news, is um, I think uh, this having happened so regularly since you bought the car, you could then be within your rights to um, ask for them to send one their top um, engineer technician down from Pretoria to come and do a special analysis on your car. It's not fair for you to keep having to having this problem and being told, well, we're going to fix it, and then it's not fixed. You're welcome to yeah. email me about that um, if you'd like some more advice, Simon. Thank you very much, Wendy. That'll be really fantastic. You're welcome. Cape Talk. Consumer Talk. You can call us now on 021-446-0567. Welcome back to the Pippa Hudson Show. It is 34 minutes past one, and we are talking to consumer expert Wendy Nola about warranties and damaged goods and returning them within the six-month warranty. Um, we have a question here, Wendy, mm-hmm. with regard to cash refunds at independent retailers. It says, with, regard, with, with regards, regards to cash refunds, um, retailers uh, adamantly stick to their policy and insist you must buy something else instead. What can one do with this problem? And that's Randall. Okay. Randall, thank you for that question because it gives me an opportunity to say this, which is very important, and that is where retailers and consumers go wrong is they fail to draw a very um, strong line between defective products and non-defective products. So if a product is defective within the first six months, something has gone wrong, it's not working, and you didn't cause the problem, you have a lot of power. You don't have to accept a repair or a replacement, which is what used to happen pre-CPA. You have the right to say, thank you, I want a, a refund. And um, unless they can send the product off to assessment to rule out user abuse, that you didn't drop something on the floor in water or something else, or use it contrary to instructions. But if they, you know, in the normal course of events, if the product's effective, you, you can demand a refund. You cannot demand anything, let alone a refund, if there's nothing wrong with the product. Oh. So if it's non-defective. So those signs on, on the walls that go back decades that say no cash refunds are only half right and they actually should come off the wall because that only applies to non-defective returns. So something you've bought, you've had a change of heart, it doesn't fit because you, you didn't I try it on. Yeah. Your son doesn't like the tackies, which is anyone who's got teenagers will relate yeah. to that. So... Um, there is no legal compulsion for any retailer anywhere, anywhere in the world to take back goods that are not defective. If they're perfectly okay, the retailer actually has the 
right to, to, to decide whether they're going to take it back and what the terms of that take back are. Many retailers do take back. Most will offer a exchange or some kind of credit rather than a refund, which I think is perfectly reasonable because why should they lose the sale? They sold it to you in good faith and there's nothing wrong with it. So somebody who takes back a non-defective product has no right to demand a refund. In fact, they have no right to demand that the product be taken back at all. So if you are... If they do say, well, you have to take something else, it's not being rude or or illegal or unfriendly. It's actually, um, it's it's really a favor because what would be un- unfriendly would be to say we're not taking it back at all, but that also would still not be illegal. So I hope I've made that clear. If you, There's a very, very big difference. Lots of power and rights if the goods are defective and you haven't caused the problem. No right if, if the products aren't defective. You then are at the complete mercy of the store and their elective voluntary terms and conditions around a take-back. Do you have to have the slip and uh, the packaging, the original packaging? Okay. Again, completely dependent on whether the goods are are defective or not. If the goods are defective and it's within the first six months, you don't need the original packaging. A lot of stores will demand it, and that's where it's important and really helpful to know your rights and say, actually, it's the first six months, the CPA – we don't need to have the original packaging. After from month seven, the stores can impose whatever policies they want. Some will will um, impose an admin fee for taking back, and then again, it's take it or leave it kind of thing. If you want, you have to um, fall in with their rules because you don't have any legal right to say you've got to take this product back if there's nothing wrong with it. The slip um, is important, though, whether mm. the products are defective or not. So even if the product is defective, they can demand the slip because, number one, they need to know when you bought the product so that they can see whether it's in the first six months. And in some cases, if, it a, if it's a product that can be bought at many other places, they need to know that they are responsible because you bought it from them. The the Act doesn't actually say um, receipt. It says proof of purchase. So if you have a, um, a card with a company, then it would be fair enough for you to say, look, I've lost the slip, but you have the records. You will you um you know you will be able to find this proof of purchase, and it would be very mm-hmm. um, unfortunate and unfair if the company then folded their arms and said, well. You know, we're not providing it. You know, so you could bring your bank statement in. Is that what you think? Well, the bank statement isn't really going to do it. It's going to say that you paid X amounts um, to that company yes. on that date, but it's not going to say what you bought. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Okay, we have um, a call that comes in uh, about warranties and handling fees. It's Pierre from Goodwood. Oh. Welcome to the show. Pierre, um, hi. Yeah, I, I, I bought the Samsung Gear watch not too long ago. Yeah. Um, and I was in the store and they set it up on my phone, but I didn't have a Samsung phone, I had a Huawei phone. Yeah. And um, I took it in three days in a row because it messed around with my Bluetooth in the car and it didn't work properly. And they suggested I bring the, the thing back after three days. And they took it back, but they still charged me 600 and handling fee. Okay, that's that's uh, you you're stretching me today, Pierre, because um, it's not a straightforward case, that one. If it was, in fact, a defect with the watch, the Samsung watch, they would have no right to charge you a handling fee or anything else. In fact, yeah. the act says that the, the product must be returned at the supplier's cost. So, you know, all the onus is on them. However, if it's just a case that the watch isn't, um, it's, it's not defective, but it doesn't work with your existing, um, equipment, then that wouldn't yeah. be a defect. And then they would be entitled to say, mm. well, if you want us to investigate and see if we can't try and make this work, then, um, they would be within their rights to charge you some kind of fee. 
On the other hand, if you said to them, I want this to pair with my Huawei phone, and well, they, they said... they did it for me in the store. Pardon? They did it for me in store. I had my Huawei phone with me, and they said, no, this will work. Okay, in which case, that was my third, in which case, um, then I would say that fee is not justifiable because they sold it to you knowing what your your requirements were. They said it was fit for purpose. If it now isn't and they need to do something to make it work, then no, they wouldn't be within their rights to charge you for that. Okay, but they did charge me, but that was now like almost a year ago. Oh, gosh. Okay, so now you know for next time. All right. And I hope some of the listeners will benefit as well. Yeah, others will benefit. Thanks. Thanks for the call, Pierre. Thanks, Pierre. Okay, so here's a WhatsApp. It's slightly complex, so let me just (laughs) get through it. I had an AfriHost account with 20 gig data. Uh, Then I changed to Cell C, also by AfriHost. Received the SIM card on the Thursday. Saw that the network was very slow and cancelled it on the Sunday within seven days. They cancelled the SIM card two months later. Now there's a clause that says in six months, within six months cancellation, there is a charge of 999 rand. But I cancelled it within seven days. And that's from Reno. Okay. So again, all these things boil down to, within the first six months, it boils down to whether it's defective or not. Right. So too slow is a subjective um, term. Yeah. yeah. So um I don't think he could claim defect or not fit for purpose if um, the offering was as stated. In other words, they didn't claim that this is the speed, but actually in reality it was this. Or if he said, I live in this area, will it be okay? And they said, yes, but actually I I have a lot of those. Actually, in reality, he can't get a usable speed. It would would depend entirely on whether there has been some kind of failure between what the company said it would deliver and what it would actually deliver. If you can prove that, then I would say there should be no cancellation fee. Otherwise, um, six months or not, um, the normal cancellation fee would apply. Um, and it's normally quite hefty with mm. any cell phone contract if you, or, or telecoms contract if you cancel um, early in your two-year contract because you're a liable for a percentage of the remaining contract over 24 months. So it's always a really good idea to research everything before you go into it. I had an email just this morning from someone who said, I took out a new contract. I tried to phone that um, for the first time and I don't like it. Now they're telling me it's going to cost me many, many, many thousands to get out of it. Do I have a leg to stand on? And I had to say no, because the phone is not defective. It doesn't suit you, but your it was the onus was on you to make sure that you were going to be happy with the phone. And I wouldn't take out a contract with a phone that they didn't have a dummy of in the store, or certainly not over the phone where there's no opportunity to actually touch it. You're going to use this phone extensively for the next two years. You need to play around with it and see if it's a brand or a model you're not familiar with you need to make sure that it's what you want before you go in because once you sign that contract as I say unless that phone is defective you're stuck with it unless you want to pay a lot mm. to get out of your contract um, you know with two years still to run it's, it's, it's mm. really going to be uneconomic for you to do that yeah, I think consumers are always kind of hasty to get back online and they just don't mm. want to read that small print mm. and they're in a rush. Um, we also had an interesting uh, text message and actually an SMS. Uh, mattresses have got weight limits, for example, 70 kilograms or 100 kilograms, but they never weigh consumers. Does Well, that, that's from Mike. I suppose he's referring to your case study with that with, with we mentioned with mattresses. Yes, I it's mean, an interesting that, yeah, question. Would that rule out the warranty if, in a case it, like it that? It would technically, but... Um, <laughs> 
the problem is that the salespeople should be trained to, I mean, it's a sensitive subject to say, listen, I think you're too heavy for this mattress. But um, there's never any proof when these conflicts arrive as to what the salespeople did or didn't say. They could say, but we said, and how does the consumer prove that that wasn't told? So I think uh, mattress warranties in particular are highly complex, just like tires, because they cover a, um, a long period, but they are very specific and there are exclusions and they are complicated. And a big investment. So it is a big investment. Mm. Um, so really read all the terms and conditions. Look at the specific mattress that you're buying and look at what the manufacturer um, advises. Um, it's, it's, I hate to say this, but that's the only way, real way to protect yourself because you can have a salesperson saying lovely things in your face. Mm. There's no record of what they've said and nothing you can fall back on if what they said turns out not to be true. So yeah, I, it's a very good point there about weight limitations with mattresses. Mm, mm. Be just, if you're, especially if you're a heavier person as many of us are, um, it, it, you need to protect yourself on that one because then they'll, you know, as you said, the mattress sags within three months and they say, but hey, look at, look at, look at these. It was, you signed for this. It came with a bed. You, you, you know, it says that you're, if you're over, what did he say? 70? 70. 70 kilos seems to be quite limiting. Yeah. yeah. I can yeah. understand 100, but mm. 70 seems Cutting a little. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe I should do some research into that. How yeah. many mattresses, which are the mattresses that are, that limit weight up to 70? Maybe we should, I'm going to make a note. Make your bed and lie in it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So we are talking to a, a consumer expert, Wendy Nola. Uh, if you have any questions for her, you can call us on 021 WhatsApps and voice notes to 0725671567 and texts to 31567. So now we need to talk a little bit about uh, the the Banking Ombuds annual report. Wendy. Yes, I wanted to do that because we journalists love to be get things hot off the press, exactly. and um, this was um, this is this is a lunch going on in Cape Town as we speak, hosted by the um, Banking Ombuds Banking Services Ombudsman for South Africa. Um, I had a quick look at the report, um, didn't have much time before coming on air. So I just wanted, I think there's some tidbits that the listeners might find interesting. Mm. So of the 7,115 cases that the office opened last year, this report obviously has nothing to do with this year. It's all about 2018. 37% were related to maladministration. That's the word that the Ombuds office uses Mm. um, when a bank doesn't follow its own internal procedures. And then that led to to the customer suffering some kind of loss, distress, or inconvenience. That's what um, all companies should be striving not to do. Um, or maladministration in in banking ombud um, in the banking ombud world is also covers failure to conduct an affordability assessment when granting credit as required by the National Credit Act. So it's, in other words, reckless lending, which is a big issue, and all of us have come across examples of of that. And I know I certainly get a lot of um, uh, emails from employers of people who've taken their problems to them and they've looked at at the loan and thought, but how could this possibly, how could this loan possibly have been granted? So, Thirty-seven percent of those seven thousand cases—I forget the actual number—but it's a lot. Mm. Quite a few thousand were related to, <clears throat> excuse me, maladministration, which is quite troubling. And then seventy percent of the complainants were from 
of complaints <clears throat> were from people over the age of 40. They say um, that, um, sorry, let me just read this. Um, the, um, it, it doesn't, <coughs> excuse me, beg your pardon. It's either, they're not sure if it's a case of um, older people being, fall, falling prey to, to um, bank fraud and other issues or being mistreated or whether it's just that when you're over 40 you're more inclined to complain mm. um, <laughs> and the other thing the report doesn't reveal and something that we've done on this show recently is um, from January this year um, credit card fraud has sparked horribly um, and that's going to be the story of the 2019 report I'm sure so it's actually come up from Number three, I think, on the list to number two, and it's going to take over internet fraud. So that's when people call you pretending there's credit card fraud on your line, on your account. They phone you and they say they're from the fraud division and you have to do this and this and one of them involves and you giving your bank uh, pins and then they do shopping on your credit card and it's all ends horribly. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really what I wanted to, to point out. Cape Talk. Consumer Talk. You can send us a WhatsApp voice note now on 072-567-1567. Welcome back. Sorry. Welcome back to the Pepper Hudson Show. This is Bianca Reznikov and it is Consumer Talk with Wendy Nola. We're talking about the Banking Services Ombuds of South Africa who that released uh, their annual annual report for 2018 at a function that is actually going on right now in Johannesburg. So you heard it here first. So, Wendy, do you want to take that up where, where you left off? Yes, I yeah. just there's so much in the report. Um, but I think for our listenership, what isn't in the report is, is also important. We're talking about the report talks about complaint categories, etc. But as I say, it relates to 2018 and what's happened in 2019 um, is really scary in terms of the the spike in credit card fraud, and I just thought I'd take this opportunity, well, since banking issues are are topical today, to say just get across because I'm getting more and more of these cases. Um, since we last mentioned on the show, just five little pointers. Do it now. Most important is have your bank's fraud hotline number saved in your cell phone. So if you get a call from someone claiming to be from your bank's fraud department, and it does happen, I think I would take that seriously. Mm. I mean, I wouldn't, I don't, I don't even get phishing emails anymore. They've moved on. The fraudsters have moved on, especially from the beginning of this year. So if you do, and it's very convincing, it's you hear call center uh, sounds in the background. So you, half of you is now trying to work out, should I be worried, should I not? So... Have your your bank's own fraud hotline, hotline number that you have sourced yourself independently from their website saved in your cell phone. If you get one of those calls, end the call uh, that you've just received and phone that number that you've saved yourself and say, I've just received this call about uh, possible fraud on my account. Is it true? And I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going to say no. Mm. But but it, I'm, I'm not saying just end the call and don't do anything. So protect yourself in case it was um, a genuine call. Um, never share personal and confidential information with strangers over the phone. Banks will never ask you to confirm any of that over the phone. Um, if you receive a one-time password on your phone without having done any transactions yourself, it's likely that it's a fraudster who's used your personal information. Do not reply. Do not provide it over the phone to anybody, no matter what other name they call it. And they're clever, Bianca. They don't say... You've just been sent um, a one-time pin um, to your phone. Please read out the number. No, they'll say there are five transactions queued up, ready to go, or they've just gone. But I'm here to help you. And with your, you know, bank, um, 
just we, we need you to authenticate. We, we can't stop it until you're authenticated. So just read the authentication numbers that are now coming up on your screen. And, of course, it's the, it's the one-time pins. Mm. They're not calling it that. You're in a hurry on your phone. And you just, you know, you read them out. So they're not going to be as obvious as to say, please read your one-time pin out because I think it's fair to say most people would immediately know, hold on, this is fraud. But they're very clever in what they call it. And now they've put you under stress because, you know, they've led you to believe that you're about to be defrauded. So be very wise to that one, please. And tell um, your families and family members and friends, um, start talking about this so that we cut down the numbers of people who are going to get caught and, of course, contact your bank immediately to alert, alert them to the fact that your information may have been compromised. With these fraud issues, speed is everything. Right. So protect yourself, have the numbers in your phone, and make that call as soon as possible. But the first thing is to put that fraud number into your phone yourself so that you know you can protect yourself when you get that call because, as I say, there's a the small chance that it's genuine and then you put the phone down <laughs> and you, know, <laughs> you need to make sure that 100% that um, it was a fraudulent call. Okay, we've got a WhatsApp uh, question here. Hi there. I've been listening, to, haven't been listening to the entire show, so hoping you haven't covered this. Can you use a scanned slip as proof of purchase, or does it need to be the original slip back to the returns? Oh yes, no, a scanned sh- a slip would be fine. In fact, it's a good idea, especially if you buy an electronic device with quite a long warranty. Mm. You know, with that that um, uh, light sensitive um, paper that they use, the Till slip will become a blank piece of paper before your warranty runs out. So it's a very good idea. There's several um, things you can do. There are companies that will store your um, slips for you electronically. What I always do is just take a photograph and and out with my phone and 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 save it. But certainly a scanned um, receipt would be fun if the company tries to get clever and say, I mean, they have their own records, so it would be very disingenuous of them not to, not to accept a scanned invoice. So short answer, yes, scanned mm, would be fine. fine. I mean, yeah. some companies are starting to email you your That's your the thing as well. Been... I actually had a bad experience with that. Oh, yeah. I said, yes, no, save the planet and mm-hmm. the trees and all of that. And for some reason, and it had worked many times, but that one time I'd bought my daughter a, a bedside lamp, uh, which was defective, and I didn't have the... The email had no record at just that particular time. It didn't come through. So I must mm. admit, um, I've gone back to from that particular store, I've gone back to saying, actually, can you print it out for me, please? But, um, you know, as I say, I did have good experience pri- experiences prior mm. to that. But I've just, it's just made me a little bit nervous that one experience. That the system isn't quite up and running. And hopefully that there's it will a, could more be efficient. the yeah. occasional glitch. And then yeah. I, and I, I should add that the store um, did take the product back and, and all was well. So, but yeah. Okay, we've got a, a, a voice note on banking. Hi, I was just listening to your talk on the radio. I've been on the phone all morning to APSA Bank on my mother's behalf. I run through her banking statements for her when I have time, which is why I've now got a backlog of four months. Um, and there's a debit coming off her account for 636 rand and 44 cents. And the reference is only listed as SMAC, S-M-A-K. Absa cannot explain to me who gave authority to debit her account for that amount and who SMAC is. They have offered to reimburse her for one month, which I've obviously said is unacceptable because she neither did she sign anything or agree to any debits being taken off her account, but they need to refund her for every single cent. 
Um, the lady who's helping him in ABSA gave me a number to call that doesn't exist. I called her back. She said, no, she's had the same problem. She doesn't know who to phone at ABSA. So she's logged an uh, uh, inquiry, which will take two weeks to get a reply on. Please let me know if there's anything else I can do to get this money reimbursed into my mum's account. Thank you. We've got two minutes. Two minutes. Andy. Okay, yeah. we're a bit out of time. So that's unacceptable for the bank to say they don't um, know with who's who's um, putting through that um, that um, debit order. It's very high, six hundred and thirty-six rand a month. My word. Um, she, the South African Payments um, Association is responsible for all the payment uh, systems in this country. I would certainly take it up with them. Um, if you'd like to, it's quite an interesting case. It's not your, your usual 99 rand, um, debit order. It's a big amount. I don't know what smack could, is usually the, um, the debit order company that, um, facilitates them rather than the company that's actually getting the money. But short answer, um, I would like to take this up. So if you'd like to, um, email me, please, um, consumer at nola.co.za, nola spelt K-N-O-W-L-E-R. I'd, I'll be most happy to look that look into that one for you. Okay, very good timing. <laughs> you wrapped it up with a few seconds to breathe. Um, thank you so much for your calls and your messages. And as Wendy said, you can email her on consumer at nola, K-N-O-W-L-E-R dot C-O dot Z-A. Put Cape Talk in the subject line and a word or two to tag the topic and she will hopefully get back to you. Uh, thanks again, Wendy. Thanks, See you again next Wednesday.